Welcome to the Musician's Venture Podcast. This is a podcast focused on lessons learned from musicians' backstories, as well as from building successful careers in the music business. My name is Nick O'Brien, and I'll be interviewing artists and industry experts and offering insights based on events that Wisconsin Music Ventures has produced. On occasion, I'll be joined by Allison M., the founder of Wisconsin Music Ventures, as she and I will dive into topics relevant to the music industry. So let's get down to business. Welcome to this episode of the Musicians Venture Podcast. I am your host, Nick O'Brien. And today I am delighted to be joined by Ben Harold, the frontman from Ben Harold and the Rising, a Milwaukee area-based singer-songwriter and 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 band frontman who is also a Wisconsin Music Ventures member um, and has spent some time in the early days of Wisconsin Music Ventures. Um, kind of helping out the team and uh, you've heard from Ben if you're a listener of the podcast on an episode way back in 2020 uh, when Ben was sharing his advice uh, to other musicians um, when it comes to getting started in the industry which we will dive into a little bit um, during the course of this conversation um, but we will also leave the, a link to that episode in the show notes so that you can re-familiarize yourself with how Ben's journey in music got started and some more of the practical and tactical uh, methods that he used um, to do so. Um, but if you're not familiar with Ben Harold and the Rising, allow me to introduce you. Ben Harold and the Rising live and die as a band. The group was founded back in 2018 and specializes in rousing hard luck narrative roots rock. The quintet features Ben as the primary singer-songwriter and guitarist, Ken Zobler on guitar and background vocals, Carl Crumbliss on bass, and Dan Colasari on keys, as well as Joe Howard holding it down on the drums and background vocals. Ben Harold and the Rising's fiery collaborative chemistry and fine songcraft recalls classic Americana rock and roll bands such as Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, Counting Crows, and Wilco. The 10 tracks on the band's debut album, These Days, explore the complexities of being human in extraordinary times. Uh, now, as for Ben, uh, he started out as a solo act, uh, which was sparked by a recording session um, for a, his first solo record called Solace, which was done in a friend's recording studio. Um, but Ben has been writing since the minute he picked up a guitar at 15 years old, and he knew he could not do it alone. So he convened with fellow Wisconsin musicians looking to start a band, and he quit his, his day job to pursue it full time. He grew up in northern Wisconsin on Washington Island, if you know anything about that. It's sandwiched between Wisconsin and Michigan, and we'll dive into how growing up in that area kind of influenced uh, his musician career. He... Um, He's relocated around the state a couple of times, uh, near Minnesota, then back to Milwaukee. He's worked several jobs in the music industry and put together a few bands, but it was nothing like feeling, you know, the feeling of making music himself, reminiscing on his upbringing, where he was raised by a single mother who encouraged him to sing and play, influenced like by bands like Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers and the Dave Matthews Band. Then now the band itself has shared the stage with established artists such as Philip Michael Scales, Prize Fighter, Mike Maines and the Branches, the Cordovas, and Guster. 
And uh, the band has headlined at West Bend, Wisconsin's historic Bend Theater, which was uh, last year in 2021. They've also played Appleton's Mile of Music Festival and has opened, they've opened for headliners at Summerfest. So quite the portfolio of accomplishments here. Um, ben, thank you so much uh, for inviting me into your home studio here to have this interview done in person. Well, you're welcome to be here. Thank you, Nick. This is my pleasure. Yeah, so we, Ben and I are, are positioned on um, a growing, notable uh, tweed couch that Ben <laughs> has recorded some stuff for or on and put out on his social media channels. Uh, you've got a little session kind of like a series of sessions on this tweed couch. I believe it's called the tweed couch sessions. If that I'm is not exactly right. Yes. No, um, my, my guitarist, Ken and I, um, we found this couch at the Habitat Restore for 20 bucks and it just spoke to us. We had to buy it. So we picked it up and it's got such character. Cause it, I don't know. It's just like that Brown, orange, yellow, green of the 1970s. You, know, you could just picture the old guy in his dark Brown pants that are jacked up above his belly button sitting here you know just sitting on a sunday morning relaxing it was just it's just the best couch in the world and uh yeah we had to we had to bring this character out into some of our stuff so no question tweed couch sessions yeah i can i can attest to its comfort and its homey kind of feeling i feel even though I've, this is the first time i've been in, in this particular studio i feel at home here good uh, but i also think a lot of that has to do with with your warm personality been I can't exactly remember when the first time we met was, um, but every time I've interacted with you, um, it's I, I felt like there's there was more, you know, to come. <laughs> and just as recent as the last few weeks, uh, you know, we've developed uh, a closer. It's gone from more of an acquaintanceship to to a friendship, um, and I'm so grateful for all the interactions we've had in the first or in these last few weeks um guys kind of leaning on each other as creatives and yeah um yeah, and, man. and entrepreneurs and and just you know vulnerable men personal lives man yeah absolutely when i love that about <clears throat> i love that about you i love that about uh the people i'm closest to is that they're willing to be vulnerable they're willing to because I, I am i have to be and i that's a thing a through line with you too so for me, yeah, I, I I really appreciated that about you. And and I was going to say the same thing if you hadn't mentioned it. But the fact that the last few weeks that we've gotten to know each other, it's it's been great kind of building that friendship with you. Because I think, I, yeah, I was thinking back, I think the first time we actually talked in person was like the Mile of Music thing. Oh, yeah. Where I, we had known each other a little bit just through emails and such. But I think that was the first time that we actually saw each other face to face for the first time. Yeah, and that was this past year when we did the right. the kind of on location episode mm -hmm. at the Mile of Music. If I'm not mistaken, we did that interview like in the basement of the yeah. Deja Vu Lounge. We did, yeah. So interesting uh, atmosphere for a first conversation, but right. certainly one that sticks out in memory for you for, for sure. sure. And yeah. now that I'm prompted to to reflect on that, it sticks out for me as well. Mm. Um, but I I do remember like really connecting with your music. Um, when I heard you play for the first time, normally I tend to uh, to introduce myself to to new bands and artists via live shows, mm -hmm. um, and uh, no different with you. I, I think that your music speaks to me because it is um, just kind of a 
an extension of who is you, you are as a person, very vulnerable, very authentic. Um, you're a storyteller, both, you know, on and off the stage. And um, the songs you write are just, they're so deep and moving. Um, and I'm, I've been looking forward to this interview because I know that the stories that are behind those songs are even more deep and moving. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm eager for our listeners to kind of connect with that inspiration, those influences for themselves, and hopefully um, listen to your music if they haven't already um, with, you know, a, a newer sense of, you know, kind of a different set of goggles on, if you will. Yeah, sure. Um, so let's start with where we are present day. Um, you're coming off a fairly busy summer of shows. Yeah. Um, but now things have cooled down and the temperature yeah, literally <laughs> as well as, you know, kind of the, the show schedule, mm -hmm. what is life like right now for Ben Harold, the artist, the human, what are you working on? Um, and just kind of set the stage for where you are right now. Yeah. Oh man, that's a huge question. There's a lot, right? There's a lot. And, you know, you know, we've talked a lot, um, just personally, um, you know, from from a from a artist standpoint, uh, I started writing again in February. So we put out these days in October last year, and then it usually takes me a couple of months to really feel like I can write it. I always feel like I can't do anything better than what I just did. And then there's a little period of time I think your brain just needs to rest a bit. And obviously, you're playing the new music, uh, but I think a couple months later, sure enough, by February, I started writing some more started getting back into it and um since then uh, i've put together about 40 or so songs i really like and the band uh, has been working on those with me um so the plan is we're, we're we're still playing shows now still booking stuff as much as we can get planning for the next uh summer the, the big push looking at different tours we might do um and then also we're going to be putting together a new album uh, we're already working on that process so it's a full-length LP. We're going to be releasing singles, too, as we go. And um, along with that, there's there's so much more material that we're not exactly sure what we're going to do with it. There's just going to be a lot of music coming out in the next year, year and a half, two years. Um, we even want to go back into Solace again and re-release some of the songs the way we do it as a band. Because like you said, it was it was an, a solo project when I first put it out. Um so there's a lot of stuff in the works on the, on the music front. Um, uh, you know, on a personal level, it's it's been a very difficult time. You know, I've I've you know we've talked about different things I've had to go through the last few months, and and uh, not to delve too deeply into it, but just the idea of like you know a lot of life change, uh, living back here in Greenfield now in, in Milwaukee area. Um, you know, my life looked very different a year ago. And and I would never have predicted that I'd be sitting in this position right now. But there's sort of a, um, I think you had said this to me, and I put the quote out there at one point as if I had said it myself. But um, there's a lot of that, you know, whether it's aloneness or it's uh, the things you're going through. It, there's a darkness in that, but it, it's like you you said it perfectly. There's a there's a beauty in that darkness. There's it's kind of a beautiful darkness. And I'm kind of leaning into that and all the things I'm feeling, and, and that's bringing out even more music. And, and um, yeah, and, and and 
you know, as an artist, it, you don't need that kind of thing to write good music, but there is a, when you confront how you're actually feeling, you go into your own emotions and you're, you're honest with them. Uh, it's stuff is just going to come up. So uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a very creative time. It's been a very hard time. It's been a very great time too. So it's, it's one of those weird juxtapositions where you can't really put a finger on it all, but it's all happening right now. And you just jump into it and, and go with the flow of it and see what happens. Yeah, it's one of the things that I really connect with um, when it comes to independent musicians. Um, you know, for the most part, you know, independent artists are writing their own stuff, yeah. you know, and, you know, great. We we connect with the music, we connect with the lyrics, but sometimes we often forget that the people that are producing this music are humans themselves and they yeah. all have their own challenges. Yeah. And um, while that is, uh, you know, difficult to kind of navigate as a human being, yeah. it does open up these sources, these new sources of inspiration mm -hmm. um, as artists kind of lean into those challenges and come out on the other side with a lot of great work, you know, a lot of great right. songs. And uh, I'm super eager, <laughs> you know, um, to, to, to kind of, when this new album comes out to kind of see what I know about in your <laughs> own personal it. journey yeah, you're and, hear it. And, and hear, hear how it comes out in, in your musical talent. And my man, I gotta say, like, you're an amazing musician, but you're an even better human being. Oh, man. And um, so I'm getting, as I'm getting to know you even better as a human being, um, it connects me even more deeply with the music that you make um and super like i said super eager for the music that's going to be coming out so let's as i always do with our guests rewind right. back to the yeah. beginning as i mentioned in in the bio um you picked up a guitar at the age of 15 and started writing songs but at what point you know before that did you kind of connect with this notion or this idea that i'm going to go from being a music music consumer or just a music consumer to now wanting to create what were the inspirations what were the influences were there particular artists you know you yeah. mentioned tom petty yeah um yeah. were there life events were there people in your personal life just kind of take us through that story i don't think i made a conscious decision i i don't think it was ever how do i go from this to that i don't i think i was always creating things from the moment i was born like I, honestly before i knew guitar i would I had a little keyboard that was, you know, a little small 12 inch keyboard. And I would dink around on that and try different noises. And I'm talking, I'm like five, six, seven years old. Prior to that, I was doodling all through, through and beyond that, even I was, you know, I was always creating things. To me, I was just always a creator of things. So I never thought about anything in terms of how to take it from just listening to it to create to me it was like that's what you do is music I, there was almost like a, a kinship or a connection with any time i heard music even as a young child like i understood somebody's making this somewhere in a room somewhere a group of people is making this thing and that to me felt like home even when i was little you know and, it, and maybe that's because i didn't have a great home too uh, and being a creative person, that's where I felt belong, uh, belonging, you know, like, um, and so when I came to pick 
picking up the guitar it was it was more like um prior to so like before i learned how to play my mom who was a musician um had a guitar she had borrowed and was just propped against the wall and i remember plucking on the strings and i realized i could play the bass line for heard it through the grapevine and there was something about the tone of of strings steel strings on this wood body that really appealed to me connected to me and and so for me it was like okay so this is the thing i wanted tried touching and, and creating on it felt like an extension of who i was so it was really more like i'm a creator of things and this thing is calling to me to be the thing i should create through and it wasn't so much ever a thought of like how do i go from consuming this because at, really at the time I was too young to really consume it i i listened to the radio occasionally but honestly i didn't listen to that much music um and and it wasn't until after I, I started playing that I really started to dive more into different styles and more artists. And as far as Tom Petty goes, like that was before I even, I, it was 94. I went into a record shop and I don't even remember why I knew to go there. Uh, or I knew I was there for a very specific reason to pick up this album, Wildflowers. And I just went in and got it. And that was a good four years before I started playing music. And I do remember listening to that album in the same way I heard music before. There's a group of people in a room making great music. But that album to me was like, oh, this is what music can sound like. And I could hear all the individual parts. I remember falling in love with Ben Montench on piano, Mike Campbell on the guitar, the way Tom and Mike's guitars played off of each other, the snare hit that Steve Ferroni put on that thing. These were the things that I heard as an 11 year old that I had no idea were actual things, but they connected with me. And so when I picked up the guitar, it was, it wasn't a thought. It was just, you're picking this up because it's your next way of creating things because yeah, you doodle, but that's, that's not working for you. Yeah. You had that little keyboard that your brother spilled water on and broke. <laughs> but that, that was never really connecting with you like this. So for me, it's more like I found a part of me that was just sitting against the wall one day. And that's where I went. Yeah. And if I recall correctly, you're not like formally trained or educated no, in making no, I, music. I don't know anything about it. No, my mom taught me four chords and Stairway to Heaven. And then in about a month, I could out outplay her. Wow. <laughs> but it was just because I was tenacious, tenacious. I worked my butt off to try to make it uh, I wanted to develop quickly. So it was four or five hours a day in my bedroom every day for over a year, just trying to become better and do everything I could hear on the radio or on a CD. I wanted to be able to copy it. And you just did it by ear, right? You yeah, weren't by using ear. like notes or tabs or anything like no, that? No. And, and I, I kind of taught myself music theory and I uh, learned chords through it because I would, I, I got a capo and I only knew so many chords. So I'd put on an album and I'd figure out where the root note was and I could figure out where to capo at that point and play in the keys that I knew. So through that process, I could use my my mind to transpose for me. So before I ever knew what music theory was, I could play in a group and, and transpose to a key that would sound different than what they were doing just because that's how I taught myself to do it. So if someone was playing a 
song in B flat and I noticed that they were capoed on two and or on one and playing in the key of A. I capo up on three and playing the key of G. And then kind of get a different tonality to what I was doing compared to what they were doing. And so like I I just kind of went by what sounded right. I don't know. It was it was my own way of approaching it. Did you like play in like the school band or was all of your oh, music gosh. making like you know, after hours. There was no school band. I mean, like you mentioned, I was up on Washington Island. There was 120 kids K through 12. Oh, wow. So I had a graduating class of nine. Woo. And uh, I was about the only one who really knew how to play an instrument in high school. Um, I don't think I can remember anybody else who really played anything. So there was nothing, to, you know, it was just me on a, on a porch all summer long learning how to play. And it was I would play with CDs and albums and 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 just try to figure out how to play those songs with those were my bands, and uh, it wasn't until after in college when I'd start to like play with other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And where where did you go to college? Mm. Oh, I was out in Lacrosse. I went to at the time it was WWTC, which is now Western Technical College. Okay, I went there to do graphic design. I believed all the people that told me that music was not a viable career option. Which is bull. Yeah. Absolute bull. But I believed them because I respected them and I looked up to them. And they didn't know better. They were meaning well. But um I I, I went out there and tried to do graphic design because it was a creative thing. Mm-hmm. Sat in a room, it was very pasty, people under fake lights for about a week and a half, and I dropped out of the course and couldn't handle it anymore. So um, you know, fast forward to now. You know, I look back at that journey and everything you do, even if you think you want to regret it, brings you to where you are now. So I don't look back at it with a bad like memory. But at the same time, I'm like, boy, I could have been playing a lot of music back then. And I didn't ever kind of regret that a little bit, you know. So when did you start like actually like playing with others, mm-hmm. like live in front of audiences? Um was that was I assume that was before like you put out the solo project, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I, I had a few things I did. So in in lacrosse, yeah, you know, a few years into being, I think I was there about seven years, and it was really like the last year I was there, um, the last couple of years I was there. I, I threw together a thing called um, I think it was like the Ben Bauman Band. So my last name is actually Bauman. Harold's the middle name. Oh, I didn't know. You that. didn't know that. <laughs> wow. Yeah, weird, right? And uh, we couldn't have BBB.com because that's the Better Business Bureau. Sure, sure. And uh, <laughs> taking that one down. I still have some videos and uh, pictures of that time. And it was just me and a buddy, a bass player, Justin Reineken King. And he, he and I would go out, we'd play some stuff. We'd open for some local bands. And we, it was fun. Like we would do some things and uh, really enjoyed it. A good friend, Aaron Lewis, jumped on drums for a while and I was garbage. I mean, my voice was not developed. I, I, I was playing music that um, I was trying to be too much like someone else and not just lean into who I was. And so the music never really felt like it was mine or connected with me. All all too overcomplicated stuff, too. And uh, But it was fun developing some of that. And I had a touch of kind of figuring myself out in that. Put together a, a full band. I had a drummer, a bass player. Justin was still there. Uh, a violinist myself and we did a live show sort of as a send-off for me because it was literally like the week before I was leaving and moving back to like uh, Milwaukee area and 
it was okay. Like we did that. I still have that recording too. The music still was not that great. I didn't know what I was doing, but it was enough to kind of like keep that spark alive. Um, and then moving forward from there, I, I, I would put together some solo stuff and then, um, kind of swore off doing it because I got so fed up and tired of it that I, I wanted not doing anything with it and thought I was going to give it up, up until Solace hit the kind of hit me between the eyes. Yeah. And as you referenced in the prior TMB episode that you've been on back in 2020, kind of talking about how you got your start yeah. in the industry, you know, just bouncing around to a lot of open mics, you mm-hmm. said four or five straight months. Oh yeah. Doing that to kind of overcome oh, yeah. the fear. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really connected with something you said that episode of, you know, where you were on stage during a show at one point, and I think it was, you said it was your drummer, you turned around and you could see like the fear on your face. And he said, no, when you're up here, you're Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. <laughs> and, that, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of helped you kind of garner that confidence and overcome that fear of like, yeah, I mean, I got to own it because yeah. then what's on my face and my body language and things like that, people are picking up on just yeah. as much as they're picking up what's coming out of my mouth. Yeah. I almost forgot about that. Joe, he's been, he's been such a rock for me. And um, that was actually, uh, I was in a 90, I'm still in a nineties cover band and I was in that with him. So this is really before I even started trying to do the open mic stuff. And he did, he said that to me at one of the shows for that cover band and it sunk in. Um, it takes a while sometimes for me to figure out the things I need to fix in my life. But I, like I've told you before, personally, that once I figure it out, I go after it. And I think that's why I learned guitar so quickly. You know, I just get really tenacious about things. And that connected with me in, in a deep way. And I just, I learned that. And I brought that into the solo stuff. I brought that into going to those open mics and, um, particularly because I went to that very first open mic and I told Joe I was going and asked if he wanted to come. And for me, it was like, could you come please? I need some support. And he goes, no, you got to do this on your own. So, you know, kind of backing up what he's trying to teach me by also not being there when it's best and he's not there, you know? So that, that was really helpful. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting you mentioned that because I was actually just having a conversation earlier today with Allison M., the founder of Wisconsin Music Ventures, about what, you know, she wants Wisconsin Music Ventures to be for musicians, Mm -hmm. not, you know, like an agency type, you know, organization that is going to hold the musician's hand um, throughout the process and do everything for them, but more or less be that support system, you know, to turn to or that source of inspiration or connection um that source of community um and so that's interesting that you say that because you 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 picked up on that and it kind of brings me into you know that next question of like how did you get involved with wisconsin music ventures what's the origin story of you know becoming a member meeting allison i assume is how how that started just what what was that entry point like yeah, if I remember correctly, uh, Allison and I had a mutual friend, and I had asked that friend about uh, people I might talk to about growing my my band, growing my you know our, our reach into the city, into the state, really. And she she mentioned Allison right away. So when I got a hold of Allison, she wanted to set up a meeting, and it was about the coolest meeting I've ever been to because she goes, "Well, you know, I got these free tickets to this show at eighty eight nine here in Milwaukee. Um, 
there's this band playing called the Black Pumas. She's like, let's just go check it out. And then we could talk after. Lo, lo and behold, like they were nominated for a Grammy. Yeah. Like I, I'd not known about them prior to them. Like, wow, this is a great. I got to sit there and, and talk to Eric Burton uh, and pick his brain a little bit. Um, it was it was a really cool experience. And then sat down and talked to Allison. And we, we you know, I, you know, you know her enough to you understand like the passion and the drive and mm-hmm. the things that she she wants to do. And and I picked up on that. I love that. And uh, I was just like, I, any way I could get involved with this, I really want to be. And then there came a point where there was some help needed and I could fill that a little bit for a while. And I got to jump in and work with the team and, and, uh, you know, it was, it was fun. And I'm so glad I had that opportunity. Uh, I would have loved to have done more. I wish I could have done more. I was limited in, in a lot of ways of how I could do that, but, um, I was so glad I could be a part of the whole thing and be a part of the team. It was such a great team to be a part of. And I loved what Wisconsin Music Ventures was going to do. I got to work with the patrons, which was fantastic. Putting together like the the Sunday get togethers. And, uh, the thing about it is like the connection, the community that, that that's created there was unique. And the, the, the loyalty and the care that the, the patrons have for musicians around the state. It was so easy to work with them. And yeah, I, I'm so glad that it's continuing to grow too. Yeah, I, I'm now reflecting on like how I, uh, you know, first engaged with with Allison. It was on a, it was in the midst of the pandemic. Okay. Like the first few weeks, we met um, on a virtual like networking yeah. event, and the first few words out of her mouth when I asked her, you know, "What do you do?" was, "Well, we 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 host int- intimate concerts." you know, for independent musicians across Wisconsin in unconventional spaces. And I was like, holy cow, <laughs> those are two of my favorite things in life, yeah, you know, yeah, intimate yeah, concerts yeah. with independent musicians and in unconventional spaces. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I started going to the surprise Sunday brunch concerts. Mm-hmm. Were you putting those together? Was I, I don't remember if I did the surprise Sunday brunch ones. I think I was a part of a couple of them. I did mainly. So there's the, like the patron weekly mm. or our, um, bi-weekly get-togethers yeah weekly things that, um i was in like right i was in during that time because it was during the pandemic that it, i was really working from home and putting those together um yeah man i, I it was it was a cool setup like i did i really appreciated it yeah and unique you know you mentioned the the connections in the community and even some of the you know uh, initial people that you know allison helped put you in touch with mm-hmm. um I would imagine, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but like how much how much value have you gotten from being a Wisconsin Music Ventures member to like your understanding of the business side of the music industry? Did you kind of have a lot of that coming in or was it more or less like this kind of community aspect, this mm-hmm. kind of peer-to-peer knowledge sharing that has helped kind of polish the entrepreneurial side of what it takes to be a musician. Yeah, man, that's a great question. It for me. So I know everyone's different, right? For me personally, it was, it was both. And like, I came into it already seeking a lot of that stuff out and have found, found a lot of good information, but at the same time, there was a lot of stuff that I was able to glean from the people that I met through Wisconsin music ventures, the different artists and the different meetups where we talk about, um, ways of growing your your you know your business growing your your music uh outreach into the areas you want to 
So there was a little bit of both then, but I know I know other artists that I've worked with that I've I've told them to go to Wisconsin Music Ventures because of the fact that they're looking for that stuff and they don't have the answers. And I'm like, well, here's a place. And if if they don't specifically have it, the people who are involved with it will. And they'll be willing to set you up those connections. And I, I had a few of those meetings with with people where they wanted information from me, like, how do I do this? And it could be something as simple as setting up a website, which we had a very a good one at the time. You do. Still, you have a great website. We're, I love it, man. I, I'm kind of that's my graphic design, like nerdness. And uh, and we actually are we use a, a, an or, um, a host called Banzoogle. And we're one of their featured uh, websites on their featured page, which is kind of, I love that. I love that fact that we get to be there. So, you know, there's a lot of little things you can do within. uh, There's the intricacies of everything you do, how you have a website, how you communicate to your audience, how you use social media, how you put a song together. Like every one of those little things, there's so many nuances. And the more artists you get in there that have been doing it, the more answers you can have and maybe just feel a little less like you're carrying the weight of everything on your shoulders. I think that's, that's pretty much the, the, not to put it all in a nutshell, but that's the main benefit I see of my time working with Wisconsin music ventures. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think like with anything you get, you get out of it, what you put into it. And you've certainly put a lot into it, even from like the, you know, the team perspective, Hmm. Um, and I know that you're a special, you know, member in, in this kind of, you know, this group of, of independent Wisconsin musicians. And, um, I think that's what mostly drew me to you, uh, initially, in addition to the music, it was just, I see that you're contributing and again, you get, you get out of it, what you put into it. Right. Yeah. When someone sees that you're putting a lot into it, like, you know. Right. Well, and I, I remember starting out there, I was wishing i knew the answers to things like i was frustrated i had to seek it out i had to talk to different artists that i respected and it was it was you know swallowing the pride or or just you know like stepping way out of your comfort zone and reaching out to people you think they're probably not going to answer but if i at the time if Wisconsin music ventures was around it would have been so much easier Mm -hmm. to just go hey i need to know about this i need to know about this what do i do with this and so for me i i remember being there and anytime an artist wants to know like what do i do next although everyone's journey is a little different there are things that you can say like try doing this how does this work within your context i'm always happy to be able to help out with that because i remember that feeling of hopeless or helplessness like a turtle on his back you know yeah well you know kind of on that note i like to dive in with guests to like a reflection of you know, some of the biggest challenges you've faced, you know, as a musician. And, you know, so first question being like, what sticks out is like, some of those big challenges, you know, over the years. And then secondly, like, how were you able to address them and overcome them? Yeah, well, there's a lot. Um, I think for me, the biggest challenge was okay. I um, first thing is, you just from nothing to starting playing, you just have to go out there. I like, like you mentioned earlier, like I was four or five months straight doing two or three open mics a night, a week. You had to do it. You have to put in the reps. And then once you're out there doing that and you realize that people, like for me, I was sitting there scared. I I thought to myself, well, not, not even scared, but just thinking to myself that first night, 
I'm, I'm going to know my future tonight. I mean, definitively, I'm going to know it's I'm not going down this path or I'm going to. So you have to take that step. That's one. The second thing is how then once I get this realization, this is where I'm going. How do I develop it? How do I get shows? Okay, how much material do I need? And you start realizing a lot of venues want three, four hours of shows or, or music. And again, this is all very generic. There's a lot of this is gen generalities, general generation. I'm trying to say here, but it's very general. There's there's a lot of things that go into all of this, but the main big points of like, how do I book shows? How do I have enough material? How do I get noticed in my own area, my own context, my own city? You have to realize it's a marathon. And it was probably going to be three, well, more realistically, four or five years before you even noticed. And, and it takes constant work and effort. And who do you talk to about that kind of thing? There's nobody there because you're on your own for the first time trying to do all this stuff. So those are the biggest challenges. But those challenges are, those questions are directly, uh, you can directly address those through other artists is what I found. And I think that's where Wisconsin Music Ventures pops in, you know. So for me, yeah, that was the biggest challenge. Like, okay, I got this stuff. Now now what do I do with it? How do I get people to hear me? You know, it seems like they they like it. And where where are where are they? How do I get to them? Yeah. <laughs> and you know, that's a it's a vulnerable place to be in, you know, when you've got this this mm -hmm. um this kind of passion for what you're doing, but you're not exactly sure where to point it or how to point it. Right. Um, you know, you have to be vulnerable with yourself. You have to be vulnerable with an audience. You have to be vulnerable with your peers. Right. Particularly with those that have been there and done that. And, um, you know, as I mentioned at the top of this interview, like the thing that sticks out to me about you as a person, but also it comes through in your music is the vulnerability is the authenticity. Um, so let's just, kind of dive in a little bit like I know we talked about this before we started the recording but some really good nuggets in there about the importance of you know an artist being vulnerable and not not trying to necessarily like protect um anything about themselves because I think as creatives you you leave that vulnerability to the medium in which you create yeah um but you as a person like I commented on your website and how the bio has so many quotes from you um, you know, in comparison to other, you know, bios that I've read, like you're vulnerable as a person and that then creates who you are as an artist. So just talk about like what got you to that point and, um, you know, why does, why is that your style? I don't know, man. I, I think it's just, it's just me. Like I, I, I'm a bit of an open book and I have, I think a fairly big heart. Uh, I try to anyway. I can attest to that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I don't mean in like a prideful way. I just think it's who I am. And uh, I am proud of it though. Um, I think, I don't know. I think there, to me, it, there's something disingenuous about not, like if you're going to write a song and it's deep and it's personal and you're going to put some sort of armor over it to protect your ego or yourself because you want to look a little bit more perfect or whatever it is, or less look less dented or something. I I just feel like you can't be authentic. You can't, you know, like if you're what I'm doing is I'm I'm not working out my issues through music. 
but it is the lens through which I see the world, like the way that I live, the way who I am as a person. Um, so every time I'm writing a song, I want it to be as authentic and real as possible and vulnerable because then it is authentic, real, and vulnerable. And I feel like that's the stuff that you hear when you're listening to music that you connect with. Uh, and like we said before we started recording, like my I, I read like on the subject of biographies, like you often don't hear this stuff about artists until after they've died or they've written their autobiography. And it's like you read it and you're like, oh, I wish you'd have known that back then. I'd have connected way more with that band. I would have showed up at their shows more. I would have, you know, whatever it is, I would have been much more loyal and, and um to me, I'm not doing it to to gain fans, but I'm I'm I feel like it's just a part of who I am. It's a benefit to it if people hear stuff that I say or can listen to the music and realize it's it's very authentic and true, uh, and it connects them more to me. That's just a benefit on top of it all. But yeah, I, I feel like I'm doing it just more to to be honest with myself than anything else. I, I'm not necessarily doing it um, consciously. It's just I have to do it this way. Yeah, yeah. That brings up another question that I like asking, you know, our guests. Um, when you look at the, the 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 notion of success as a musician, um, you know, I think there's there tends to be like kind of a line drawn in the sand in terms of how pe how artists, you know, view that, um, whether it be from the perspective of fame and number of records sold and money made and that yeah. type of stuff yeah. or you know this is who i am who i am and i feel fortunate to to get to do this yeah. you know for any amount of money and if i'm fortunate enough to do it to make all of my living like that yeah. seems like success which side of the line are are you do you find yourself in in terms of defining there's success no, there's no line man i mean I, like are you happy at the end of the day when you're lying on your bed you know, or at the end of your life, when you're lying in your bed, you look back and realize, did you get to do what you love to do? Did you, were you a good person? Did you love people? Were you able to be happy through what you were doing on this planet while you had your short time on it? Define success in your own way. Like, I, I, I tell my kids, like, don't worry about the money thing. Figure out what you love to do and find any way you can to do that thing. That's what matters the most because that's going to make you ultimately a happy person. That's going to make you a passionate person. That's going to make you a more loving person. There's so many people just miserable because they're doing what the status quo tells them to do. And, and some people love living that. And if you love it, that's great because then you're in your zone. You're living your best life. I'm not saying that everybody wants to be an artist. They don't. But if you're, for my personal case, I want to go out and I want to do what I love to do. For me, it happens to be music. I'm going to do everything I can to make that work. If that means I have to work a side hustle and get up at five in the morning to do it, I'm going to do that until I can grow the business to the point where I don't have to do that as much or at all. And if it doesn't get to that point, I still made the effort. I still put in the work. I still walked away at the end of the day, happy that I could still do what I love to do. That to me is success. And that's not a, a line in any sand because that line keeps moving around. Mm -hmm. 
It yeah. Just, it would be pointless to put a line in the sand. Yeah. But, you know, I'm, what I'm hearing is that the joy of the pursuit is in the journey, it's, not the destination. That's exactly. I mean, it's, it's something you hear all the time, but it's the truth, man. Yeah. That's where you find the joy. Yeah. It's like mental health, right? The yeah. joy is in, in, in the actual pursuit of it all. Mm-hmm. You know, because you're growing through the whole process. Yeah, the constant work that 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 it takes. You know, mm-hmm. um, so let's let's turn the conversation now to the song that you will be played at the end of this episode. Yeah, which yeah. is the lead track on these days, just a ghost. Um, you know, the your your website says that's a kind of paying some homage to your mom. Um, so, you know, take me through like the influence of that song, yeah. the, the process of recording it, playing it live, everything that has has to do with that song. Like what comes to mind when you're reflecting on 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 that piece of that piece of work? That was a long process getting to that song because it wasn't supposed to be a song. I I was wanting to write more narratively. Solace to me was very. I love Solace. I'm happy with that album. But it was, it was a very. Um, uh, it was very, uh, I don't know what the word would be, just, uh, you know, it was very much about my personal individual life. Like, uh, there was a lot of looking inward for that one. Um, and I wanted to write more narratively. And the first thing I could think of was my mom, who was a musician and gave up that so that she could raise four kids. And I thought, boy, if I did that, if I gave up my musicality, what a sacrifice, first of all. But it would feel to me like I gave up a part of who I, who I am. I feel like a ghost of myself. And so I started writing almost in a poem form just to kind of get this idea out. And I didn't, I didn't have a chorus. I had of uh, all the verses and I showed Joe, our drummer, and he read through, he goes, that's a single. <laughs> this was before there was any music. He just read the words. And I remember driving down the the highway. I was I was on uh, 94, heading west towards uh, our place, and I started singing this chorus. And I pulled out my phone, hit record, sang it into that. Those sat separate for a couple months, and it all just kind of fell into place together. Like, just let the song be what it wanted to be. Didn't even know it wanted to be a song, but it all just kind of at one point just came together and then brought it to the band. And we all played it together the first time. And there was something sort of special, magical about that. And um, and then the meaning of it all and the greatest moment for me of that whole thing was to have played it for a full year and then wind up at Summerfest opening for Guster. And introducing that song. And then pointing to my mom in the middle of the crowd and everybody turning to her and clapping, you know, because she taught me how to play too. And so for me, that song has just bundles of life wrapped up in it. And and the other point of it was like, it was focusing on a point in life. I used to write such intricate songs where I try to have like a whole story in one song. And I've realized there's such a beauty in writing about one singular moment, good or bad. Mm-hmm. And to say, like, that's important. It might not be the end of your story, but it's an important part of your life. And you need to focus on this. 
so for me like that still brings me to a very emotional place to think about that moment and uh that song is always going to be very special to me and she told me when i first wrote it she, she didn't it's not that she didn't like it but it was very hard for her and then in a short time she just fell in love with it because she confronted those ghosts in her life too so I, you know it could be a healing thing for all of us oh, that's beautiful man <laughs> that's beautiful um last question i have for you uh, ask every musician i have on the show this question what is the most important thing that you want people listeners to know about ben harold could be as a human, could be as mm. an artist, but that's kind of one and the same as I'm picking up over the course of this conversation. Oh, man. That's a great question. I, I have an answer that came to mind right away, but I go, I'm going, is that too cheesy? But honestly, it's the true answer. Um, I want people to hear me and and, and realize that I, I genuinely love them. Yeah. That's it. Honestly, I, I can't think of a, a different answer. Whether it's like you and me sitting around talking on a couch, one-on-one -on -one or whatever, and, and no one hears the conversation, or if I'm singing from the stage in front of a thousand people, I want every single person there to know that I love them. I, I don't, I don't, it sounds so cheesy to me coming out of my mouth, but I can't, honestly can't think of anything that I would say different. That's not cheesy at all, man. That's beautiful. And I think it, it largely encompasses who you are. Um, and yeah, I I just, that's a perfect place to kind of end this conversation. Although this will not be the last time. Nah, we let's talk. keep talking, man. Yeah. So, you know, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, you know, listeners out there, find Ben Harold on websites and all the socials. We'll, we'll post those links in the show notes, as well as the episode that Ben was pri previously on. And we're all looking forward to, you know, that that next album that comes out in the coming months, sometime in 2023, I assume, right? Yep, yep, you got it. Awesome, man. Thank you so much. Thanks, Nick.
Venture Podcast. Please leave ratings and reviews from wherever you're listening from. Check us out online at themusiciansventure.com for more information on what we have happening, to find past episodes, and ways to get in touch with us. Find us on social media at The Musicians Venture on Facebook and Instagram, and at Musician Venture on Twitter. Like and follow us on all those platforms, and hey, while you're there, engage with and share our content with your friends. The Musician's Venture Podcast is hosted by me, Nick O'Brien, with guest host appearances from Allison M. The podcast is produced by Shannon Coulard, with theme music by Mike Newmeyer. Thanks again for listening. Thank you.